Section 6 of Library of the World's Best Literature, Ancient and Modern, Volume 12. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Rita Boutros. Library of the World's Best Literature, Ancient and Modern, Volume 12. Edited by Charles Dudley Warner. Section 6. Austin Dobson. Born, 1840. By Esther Singleton. At first thought, it seems difficult to consider Austin Dobson as belonging to the Victorian period, so entirely is he saturated with the spirit of the eighteenth century. A careful study of his verse reveals the fact that the Georgian era, seen through the vista of his poetic imagination, is divested of all that is coarse, dark, gross, and prosaic. The mental atmosphere and the types and characters that he gives express only beauty and charm. One approaches the poems of Austin Dobson as one stands before a rare collection of enamels, fan mounts, jeweled snuff-boxes, and delicate carvings in ivory and silver, and after delighting in the beauty and finish of these graceful curios, passes into a gallery of paintings and watercolors suggesting Watteau, Fragonard, Boucher, Messonnier, and Grus. We also wander among trim box hedges and quaint gardens of roses and bright hollyhocks, lean by sundials to watch the shadow of time, and enjoy the sight of gay bells patched and powdered and dressed in brocaded gowns and gypsy hats. Gallant bows such as are associated with Reynolds' portraits appear and hand them into sedan chairs or lead them through stately minuets to the notes of rameau couperin and arne just as the scent of rose leaves lavender and musk rises from antique chinese jars so dobson's delicate verse reconstructs a life of fashion gone and half-forgotten ways he is equally at home in france nothing could be more sympathetic and exquisite than a revolutionary relic the cure's progress une marquise and the proverbs in porcelain one of which is cited below in the vers de société as well as his other poetry dobson fulfils all the requirements of light verse charm mockery pathos banter and while apparently skimming the surface often shows us the strange depths of the human heart he blends so many qualities that he deserves the praise of t b aldrich who says austin dobson has the grace of suckling and the finish of herrick and is easily master of both in metrical art Henry Austin Dobson, the son of Mr. George Clarice Dobson, a civil engineer, was born in Plymouth, England, January 18, 1840. His early years were spent in Anglesey, and after receiving his education in Beaumarie, Coventry, and Strasbourg, he returned to England to become a civil engineer. 
1856, he entered the civil service of Great Britain, and ever since that date he has held offices in the Board of Trade. His leisure was devoted to literature, and when Anthony Trollope first issued his magazine St. Paul's in 1868, he introduced to the public the verse of Austin Dobson. In 1873, his fugitive poems were published in a small volume entitled Vignettes in Rhyme and Verse de Société. This was followed in 1877 by Proverbs in Porcelain, and both books with additional poems were printed again in two volumes, Old World Idols, 1883, and At the Sign of the Lyre, 1885. Mr. Dobson's original essays are contained in three volumes, Four French Women, Studies of Charlotte Corday, Madame Roland, The Princess de Lamballe, and Madame de Genlis, 1890, and 18th Century Vignettes, First Series, 1892, Second Series, 1894, which touch upon a host of picturesque and fascinating themes. He has written also several biographies of Hogarth, of Fielding, of Steele, 1886, of Goldsmith, 1888, and A Memoir of Horace Walpole, 1890. He has also written felicitous critical introductions to many new editions of the 18th century classics. Austin Dobson has been most happy in breathing English life into the old poems of French verse, such as Ballade, Villanelle, Rondel, and Rondeau, and he has also written clever and satirical fables cast in the form and temper of Gay and Prior, with quaint obsolete affectations redolent of the classic age of Anne. So serious is his attitude towards art, and so large his audience, that the hope expressed in the following rondeau will certainly be realized. In after days when grass is high, or top the stone where I shall lie, though ill or well the world adjust, my slender claim to honored dust, I shall not question nor reply. I shall not see the morning sky, I shall not hear the night wind sigh, I shall be mute, as all men must, in after days. But yet, now living, fain were I, that someone then should testify, saying he held his pen in trust to art, not serving shame or lust. Will none? Then let my memory die in after days." Selection on a Nankin Plate from Villanelle by Austin Dobson Ah, me, but it might have been! Was there ever so dismal a fate? Quoth the little blue mandarin. Such a maid as was never seen, she passed, though I cried to her, Wait! Ah, me, but it might have been! I cried, Oh, my flower, my queen, be mine! T'was precipitate! quoth the little blue mandarin. But then she was just sixteen, long-eyed as a lily straight. Ah, me, but it might have been. 
As it was, from her palanquin she laughed, You're a week too late, quoth the little blue mandarin. That is why, in a mist of spleen, I mourn on this nankin plate. Ah, me, but it might have been, quoth the little blue mandarin. Selection The Old Sedan Chair by Austin Dobson What's not destroyed by time's devouring hand? Where's Troy, and where's the maypole in the strand? From Bramston's Art of Politics it stands in the stable-yard under the eaves, Propped up by a broomstick and covered with leaves. It once was the pride of the gay and the fair, But now tis a ruin, that old sedan chair. It is battered and tattered, it little avails, That once it was lacquered and glistened with nails, For its leather is cracked into lozenge and square, Like a canvas by Wilkie, that old sedan chair. See, here come the bearing straps, here were the holes, for the poles of the bearers, when once there were poles. It was cushioned with silk, it was wadded with hair, as the birds have discovered, that old sedan chair. Where's Troy? says the poet. Look, under the seat is a nest with four eggs, tis a favoured retreat of the muscovy hen who has hatched i dare swear quite an army of chicks in that old sedan chair and yet can't you fancy a face in the frame of the window some high-headed damsel or dame be patched and be powdered just set by the stair while they raise up the lid of that old sedan chair can't you fancy Sir Plume, as beside her he stands, With his ruffles a-droop on his delicate hands, With his cinnamon coat, with his laced solitaire, As he lifts her out light from that old sedan chair? Then it swings away slowly, ah, many a league, It has trotted twixt sturdy-legged Terence and Teague, Stout fellows, but prone on a question of fare, To brandish the poles of that old sedan chair. It has waited by portals where Garrick has played, It has waited by Heidegger's grand masquerade, For my lady Codile, for my lady Belair, It has waited and waited that old sedan chair. Oh, the scandals it knows, oh, the tales it could tell, Of drum and ridotto, of rake and of bell, Of cockfight and levee, and scarcely more rare, Of fete days at Tyburn, that old sedan chair. Hugh, quanta mutata, I say as I go, It deserves better fate than a stable-yard, though. We must furbish it up and dispatch it with care to a fine art museum, that old sedan chair. Selection The Ballad of Prose and Rhyme by Austin Dobson When the ways are heavy with mire and rut, in November fogs, in December snows, when the north wind howls and the doors are shut, there is place and enough for the pains of prose, But whenever a scent from the white thorn blows, And the jasmine stars at the casement climb, And a rosalind face at the lattice shows, Then hey for the ripple of laughing rhyme. 
when the brain gets dry as an empty nut, when the reason stands on its squarest toes, when the mind, like a beard, has a formal cut, there is place and enough for the pains of prose. But whenever the May-blood stirs and glows, and the young year draws to the golden prime, and Sir Romeo sticks in his ear a rose, then hey for the ripple of laughing rhyme. In a theme where the thoughts have a pedant strut, in a changing quarrel of eyes and nose, in a starched procession of if and but, there is place and enough for the pains of prose, but whenever a soft glance softer grows, and the light hours dance to the trysting time, and the secret is told that no one knows, then hey for the ripple of laughing rhyme. Envoy In the workaday world, for its needs and woes, there is place and enough for the pains of prose, but whenever the maybells clash and chime, then hey for the ripple of laughing rhyme. Selection The Cure's Progress by Austin Dobson Monsieur the Cure down the street comes with his kind old face, with his coat worn bare and his straggling hair and his green umbrella case. You may see him pass by the little Grand Place and the tiny Hôtel de Vie. He smiles as he goes to the Floriste Rose and the Pompier Théophie. He turns as a rule through the Marché Cool, where the noisy fishwives call, and his compliment pays to the Belle Thérèse as she knits in her dusky stall. There's a letter to drop at the locksmith's shop, and Toto, the locksmith's niece, has jubilant hopes for the curé gropes in his tales for a pain de pice. There's a little dispute with a merchant of fruit, who is said to be heterodox, that will end it be with a ma foi oui, and a pinch from the curé's box. There was also a word that no one heard to the furrier's daughter Lou, and a pale cheek fed with a flickering red, and a bon du garde, monsieur, but a grander way for the sous-préfet, and a bow for Mademoiselle Anne, and a mock-off-hat to the notary's cat, and a nod to the sacristain. Forever through life the curé goes, with a smile on his kind old face, with his coat worn bare, and his straggling hair, and his green umbrella case. Selection Good Night, Babette Si vies pouvez by Austin Dobson Scene A small neat room in a high Voltaire chair sits a white haired old gentleman Monsieur Vieux turning querulously Day of my life where can she get Babette I say Babette Babette Coming monsieur if monsieur speaks so loud he won't be well for weeks Where have you been why, monsieur knows, Avril vit d'avray, Mademoiselle Rose. Ah, I am old, and I forget, was the place growing green, Babette? But of a greenness, yes, monsieur, and then the sky so blue, so blue, and when I dropped my immortelle, how the birds sang, this poor Mademoiselle. 
you're a good girl babette but she she was an angel verily sometimes i think i see her yet stand smiling by the cabinet and once i know she peeped and laughed betwixt the curtains where's the draught now i shall sleep i think babette sing me your norman chansonette once at the angelou ere i was dead angels all glorious came to my bed angels in blue and white crowned on the head she was an angel once she laughed what was i dreaming where's the draught the draught monsieur how i forget i am so old but sing babette one was the friend i left stark in the snow one was the wife that died long long ago one was the love i lost how could she know ah paul old paul ulali too and rose and oh the sky so blue one had my mother's eyes wistful and mild one had my father's face one was a child all of them bent to me bent down and smiled he is asleep how i forget i am so old good night babette selection the ladies of st james a proper new ballad of the country and the town by austin dobson Philida Amoante alias Virgil The ladies of St. James go swinging to the play. Their footmen run before them with a stand-by clear the way. But Philida, my Philida, she takes her buckled shoon when we go out according beneath the harvest moon. The ladies of St. James wear satin on their backs. They sit all night at ombre with candles all of wax, but Philida, my Philida, she dons her russet gown and runs to gather maydew before the world is down. The ladies of St. James, they are so fine and fair, you'd think a box of essences was broken in the air. But Philida, my Philida, the breath of heath and firs, when breezes blow at morning, is not so fresh as hers. The ladies of St. James, they're painted to the eyes, their white it stays forever, their red it never dies. But Philida, my Philida, her color comes and goes, it trembles to a lily, it wavers like a rose. The ladies of St. James, you scarce can understand the half of all their speeches, their phrases are so grand. But Philida, my Philida, her shy and simple words are clear as after raindrops the music of the birds. The ladies of St. James, they have their fits and freaks, they smile on you for seconds, they frown on you for weeks. But Philida, my Philida, come either storm or shine, from Shrovetide unto Shrovetide, is always true and mine. My Philida, my Philida, I care not though they heap the hearts of all St. James, and give me all to keep. I care not whose the beauties of all the world may be, for Philida, my Philida, is all the world to me. Selection Dora versus Rose The Case is Proceeding by Austin Dobson
from the tragicest novels at Mudie's, at least on a practical plan, to the tales of mere Hodges and Judies, one love is enough for a man. But no case that I ever yet met is like mine, I am equally fond, of Rose, who a charming brunette is, and Dora, a blonde. Each rivals the other in powers, each waltzes, each warbles, each paints. Miss Rose chiefly tumble-down towers, Miss Doe perpendicular saints. In short, to distinguish is folly, Twixt the pair I am come to the pass, Of Macheath between Lucy and Polly, Or Buridan's ass. If it happens that Rosa I've singled For a soft celebration in rhyme, Then the ringlets of Dora get mingled Somehow with the tune and the time or I painfully pen me a sonnet to an eyebrow intended for doze, and, behold, I am writing upon it the legend to Rose. Or I try to draw Dora, my blotter is all over scrawled with her head, if I fancy at last that I've got her, it turns to her rival instead. Or I find myself placidly adding to the rapturous tresses of Rose Miss Dora's bud mouth and her madding, ineffable nose. Was there ever so sad a dilemma? For Rose I would perish pro tem. For Dora I'd willingly stem a uh, whatever might offer to stem. But to make the invidious election, to declare that on either one's side I've a scruple, a grain, more affection, I cannot decide. And as either so hopelessly nice is, my soul and my final resource is to wait some indefinite crisis, some feat of molecular force, to solve me this riddle conducive by no means to peace or repose since the issue can scarce be inclusive of dora and rose afterthought but perhaps if a third say a nora not quite so delightful as rose nor wholly so charming as dora should appear is it wrong to suppose as the claims of the others are equal and flight in the main is the best, that I might, but no matter, the sequel is easily guessed. Selection Un Marquise, a rhymed monologue in the Louvre, by Austin Dobson. Belle Marquise, vos beaux yeux me font mourir d'amour. Molière. Stanza first. As you sit there at your ease, O Marquise, and the men flock round your knees thick as bees mute at every word you utter servants to your least frill flutter belle marquise as you sit there growing prouder and your ringed hands glance and go and your fans frou-frou sounds louder and your beaux yeux flash and glow Ah, you use them on the painter, as you know, for the sieur la rose spoke fainter, bowing low, thanked madame and heaven for mercy, that each sitter was not serse, or at least he told you so, growing proud, I say, and prouder, to the crowd that come and go. 
dainty deity of powder fickle queen of fop and bow as you sit where lustres strike you sure to please do we love you most or like you belle marquise stanza two you are fair oh yes we know it well marquise for he swore it your last poet on his knees and he called all heaven to witness of his ballad and its fitness belle marquise you were everything in air with exception of sever you were cruel and rebelle with the rest of rhymes as well you were reine and mere d'amour you were venus a cithère sappho mise en pompadour and minerve en pervers you had every grace of heaven in your most angelic face with the nameless finer leaven lent of blood and courtly race and he added too in duty ninon's wit and boufflers beauty and la valier's you velouté followed these and you liked it when he said it on his knees and you kept it and you read it belle marquise stanza three yet with us your toilette graces fail to please and the last of your last faces and your mise for we hold you just as real belle marquise as your burghers and bergere te d'amour and batelier as your pair and your versailles gardens grottoes and sausailles as your naiads and your trees just as near the old ideal calm and ease as the venus there by coustou that a fan would make quite flighty is to her the gods were used to is to grand greek aphrodite sprung from seas you are just a porcelain trifle belle marquise just a thing of puffs and patches made for madrigals and catches not for heart wounds but for scratches o oh, marquise just a pinky porcelain trifle belle marquise wrought in rarest rose du barry quick at verbal point and parry clever doubtless but to marry no marquise stanza four for your cupid you have clipped him rouged and patched him nipped and snipped him and with chapeau bras equipped him belle marquise just to arm you through your wife time and the languors of your lifetime belle marquise say to trim your toilette tapers or to twist your hair in papers or to wean you from the vapors as for these you are worth the love they give you till a fairer face outlive you or a younger grace shall please till the coming of the crow's feet and the backward turn of beau's feet belle marquise till your frothed-out life's commotion settles down to ennui's ocean or a dainty sham devotion belle marquise stanza five no we neither like nor love you belle marquise lesser lights we place above you milder merits better please 
we have passed from philosophdom into plainer modern days grown contented in our oafdom giving grace not all the praise and en partant our sinoe without malice whatsoever we shall counsel to our chloe to be rather good than clever for we find it hard to smother just one little thought marquise wittier perhaps than any other you are neither wife nor mother belle marquise selection a ballad to queen elizabeth of the spanish armada by austin dobson king philip had vaunted his claims he had sworn for a year he would sack us with an army of heathenish names he was coming to faggot and stack us like the thieves of the sea he would track us and shatter our ships on the main but we had bold neptune to back us and where are the galleons of spain his caracks were christened of dames to the kirtles whereof he would tack us with his saints and his gilded stern frames he had thought like an eggshell to crack us now howard may get to his flaccus and drake to his devon again and hawkins bowl rubbers to back us for where are the galleons of spain let his majesty hang to st james the axe that he wedded to hack us he must play at some lustier games or at sea he can hope to outthwack us to his mines of peru he would pack us to tug at his bullet and chain alas that his greatness should lack us but where are the galleons of spain envoy Gloriana, the don, may attack us whenever his stomach be fain. He must reach us before he can rack us. And where are the galleons of Spain? Selection The Princess de Lamballe From Four French Women By Austin Dobson A tender wife, a loving daughter, and a loyal friend, shall we not here lay down upon the grave of Marie de Lamballe our reverential tribute, our little chaplet of immortelle, in the name of all good women, wives, and daughters? Elle était mieux femme que les autres. To us that apparently indefinite, exquisitely definite sentence most fitly marks the distinction between the subjects of the two preceding papers and the subject of the present. It is a transition from the stately figure of a marble Agrippina to the breathing, feeling woman at your side. It is the transition from the statuesque, Rachelesque heroines of a David to the small sweet idyll of a Gruse, and we confess it, we were not wholly at ease with those tragic, majestic figures. We shuddered at the dagger and the bowl which suited them so well. We marveled at their bloodless serenity, their superhuman self-sufficiency. Inly we questioned if they breathed and felt or was their circulation a matter of machinery a mere deadbeat escapement we longed for the sex prononcé of rivarol we longed for the showman's female woman we respected and we studied but we did not love them 
with madame de lamballe the case is otherwise not grand like this one not heroic like that one elle est mieux femme que les autres she at least is woman after a fairer fashion after a truer type not intellectually strong like manon philippon not spartan-souled like marie de corday she has still a rare intelligence a courage of affection she has that clairvoyance of the heart which supersedes all the stimulants of mottoes from reynel or maxims from rousseau she has that angel instinct which is a juster lawgiver than justinian it was thought praise to say of the Girondist lady that she was a greater man than her husband. It is praise to say of this queen's friend that she was more woman than Madame Roland. Not so grand, not so great, we like the princess best. Elle est mieux femme que les autres. End of section 6 Austin Dobson